This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Now, I'm just telling you where we're going tonight is one of the verses we ended with last week. And so I've said this many times that what I love to do on Mondays or Thursdays, when I go back into the office, I always go back and I review everything I talk about and said, Lord, if there's more to it. And so, man, I, I tapped into some more in this area. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over that. So you're going to Proverbs chapter 4. But faith sees and faith acts. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a statement here. And you're probably going to hear me reference this statement several times tonight. But faith cannot work until the will of God is known. Faith cannot work until the will of God is known. And so again, I've got to learn the word of God because remember, faith is a byproduct of the word of God. So when I begin to find out what the scriptures say, man, I'm telling you, there it is right there. That's, That's God's will for your life and my life. But faith cannot work until the will of God is known. So you're going to have to dig. You're going to have to get in the scriptures. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. The Amplified says, consent and submit. Incline your ear to my sayings. Pay attention and listen closely. And and so one of the areas that I begin to see stuff, when he talks about inclining your ear to my saying, it's, it's a greater than effort than just mere listening. Incline your ear. In other words, don't don't just hear the word for quantity. Hear the word for quality. How many of you ever read the the Bible one morning? Say you read a whole chapter, and after you got done, you ask yourself this question: Do I remember anything that I just read? I've done that. I've looked and I thought, wait a minute. So what happens is, man, I got to slow down. And incline my ear to his saints. Now, why would that be such a big deal? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. So he's given us insight in that right there. Now, when I say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, God didn't say that you had to hear from uh, uh, Billy Graham or you can hear yourself. And so again, begin to trust God in this area. And when you go before God in in your study times, say, Lord, help me. Help me to hear. Help me to see the things I need to see. He goes on to say, do not let them, my word, depart from your eyes. Don't don't let them out of your sight. And so last week I said this in this, this passage that, I, I've, I've got to start seeing myself through the eyes of faith. In other words, let the scriptures paint a picture in you. So one of the Jewish commentaries that I love to read on the area of the Proverbs here, it says in this that you are to begin to visualize yourself in light of the word of God. But allow the word of God to paint a picture of you, of, of what God says you are and who, who you can be. Keep reading. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Now, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at verse 20, 21. 
And he specifies two areas. He says, your eyes and your heart. You know what the Jewish commentary said about these two? It said, these two physical organs, your eyes and your heart, are what normally move a man or a woman to the area of sin. And he says right here, guard your eye, guard your heart. And there's a reason for that, okay? And so literally what I believe he's telling us, the more I focus on the word and, and I get that in my heart, I'm, I'm gonna stay away from sin. I'm gonna stay away from that tug and that pull because you know what? My focus is on the word of God. Whoop. Keep reading, verse 22. For they, my word, are life to those who find them. That's, it's interesting. It's life to those who find them. So, so again, guess what he's telling us? You, you're going to have to dig. Sometimes you're literally just going to have to get in the Word and start searching the Word. And then at times when you find the Word, a lot of times the, the Bible talks about that, that when we get a hold of the Word, we begin to meditate on it or we begin to chew on it. Many definitions of that are like a cow that begins to eat and chews on its curd. And they sit there and they start just, and I believe that with the Word of God. Sometimes you just got to dig to find it, but then you begin to meditate on it. And you sit there and allow the word of God to absorb in you. Keep them in your heart with all diligence. We're back to 22. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now we highlighted this last week. Their health to all their flesh. The word health in one of the Hebrew translations says it's medicine. The word of God is medicine to all their flesh. So I begin to look into this verse and I begin to, to dig a little more and more and more. And this is what came out of this. The word of God is health or medicine to all of us. Within the word of God, there's 248 positive commandments. They say within the physical body, with every one of our physical bodies, there's 248 bodily organs. There's 365 negative commandments. There's still commandments. And there's 365 days a year. So it's almost like the Lord saying, I got word for you every day of the year, and I've got word for you for every bodily part you got if you'll get a hold of the word of God. It's medicine, it's health to your flesh. Keep reading. Keep your heart with all diligence. Safeguard it. For out of it springs the issue of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Remove distortion from your mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Now I'm looking at that and, and just briefly on that, when he talks about the things that come out of my mouth and your mouth and your lips, uh, Matthew 12, 34 says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you're putting into your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And that's why he begins to say, man, you got to guard your mouth. you got to watch those things. So we're saying what we have and we're having what we say. So all through this passage here, he gives us incredible insights about the power of the word of God. This is what this whole passage is about. So the more I get in the word of God, I feed my faith 
and I starved my doubts. I got, I got to get into the word. I, I highlight this, and this is a passage you'll hear me reference a lot. The Lord Jesus himself said in Matthew 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God used a physical way that we feed ourselves, and he used it in a spiritual light. I tell you, I, I got to get in the word. I feed my natural man three hot meals a day, and I feed my spirit man one cold snack a week, and I wonder why I'm spiritually malnourished. So the more I get into the word of God, the more it paints pictures. And I begin to see myself in the light of the word of God. And whatever in your life you're struggling, find scripture for it and stick with it. Well, pastor, I quoted it for two days and nothing happened. Stick with it. Keep speaking what God says about you. Now, go all the way back to Joshua 6 where I told you earlier. And so when we get in these, this, this passage again, you're going to have to see that, that I, I must obey the word of God. Not, not just do I see it and read it, but I, I've got to believe it in order to receive it. James 1.22 says this, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if I'm just a hearer of the word, it says you will deceive yourself. You will delude yourself. One translation says you will betray yourself because you'll get over to what's contrary with the word of God and you'll begin to reason. Don't reason with the word of God. You either obey it or you don't. And so that needs to be a prayer. Lord, grace me to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So when I say that, many times people will say, well, what, what does that actually look like? So now we're back in Joshua chapter 6. And the Israelites are going into Jericho, the first city, just like I talked about a minute ago. Now God gives them some, some great guidelines here, so I want you to pick up with me in verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Now Joshua right there is giving great insight. God said, I've given you Jericho, the king and the mighty men of valor. Now, when God says he's going to give us something, that doesn't mean I have to kick back, lay on the couch, and, and do nothing. They had to do something for that to take place. And what they literally have to do here is they're going to have to obey God. They're going to have to not only follow directions, but they're going to have to obey them. And so many times we look at this and we have the thought, why would I have to do anything if God said, I've given it to you? Well, with every promise, I've got to act on his word. I've got to step out. How many of you know that God has desired to save every one of us? He talks about that in 1 Peter. He says, my desire is to save every person. I desire that nobody goes to hell. Did you know there are going to be people who go to hell? Not because God doesn't desire that for them, but because they don't act on the word of God. They don't get born again. So he's giving him guidelines here. Now watch this. Verse three, you shall march around the city, all of you men of war, you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. 
But these are guys who understood how to fight. And so when God tells them, we're, we're going to march around the city six days, and we're not going to say nothing. We're just going to march around. Hmm, that's, that's kind of a, an unconventional strategy, don't you think, God? Now, sometimes when I look at the word of God, you look at it and think, why would God ask us to do that? Well, God's God. And so I either choose to obey what he tells us or I don't. And so he lays down the first rule for him. Verse four. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the tr priests shall blow the trumpets. Hmm. Pretty unconventional strategy again, God. So I, I really wonder if, if Joshua goes back to God and says, no, God, did, did I get this correct? For six days, we're going to walk around the city and nothing. And then the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times. And when they blow the trumpet, we're going to scream and shout. Now you can sit there and you can look at that thing. That's stupid. That, that doesn't make any sense. But yet God told him, this is what you're going to do. Verse 5. It shall come to pass when? When they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when the people shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. So they've got to act on the word. They've got to believe the word. They got to believe what God said that this is going to act, uh, actually work. And so when you look at this here, I've got a choice to make. They've got a choice to make. And, and God's unconventional strategy, when you look at all these verses, it included waiting, it included walking, it included talking. And, and, and this peculiar march, day after day after day after day, they're to obey God. And the reason they were doing that day after day after day God was testing their obedience. He was testing their faith. What, what would if he had said to them, ah, the first day, just obey me the first day. Hebrews 6, 12 says, through faith and patience we inherit. Sometimes I gotta get on God's clock. Sometimes I gotta get on God's, uh, his timetable, okay? Same chapter, verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. Now, Joshua commanded the children of Israel to remain silent. And he said, you walk around and make silent. And the reason he's doing that is because the memory of, of Israel's time, the 40 years in the wilderness, you know what it was associated with? It was associated with murmuring and unbelief. And so what God's doing here, he's teaching them a lesson in history of the mind. Now for me and you, when I'm facing incredible challenges, don't allow or permit your lips to speak unbelieving words. My words have the capacity to bind or to set free. And so when you look what he's talking about here, even in our lives, our refusal to speak doubt and fear will 
keep my heart more inclined with the word of God. There are days the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut. And I know for many of us that'd be a miracle. That's why the Lord says there in James 1.19, be swift to hear and slow to speak. And so literally right here, the Lord was telling them, listen guys, keep your mouth shut because I know in past when God would tell them to do certain things, they would murmur and complain and they would believe themselves with doubt and unbelief right out of what God promised them. And he said, we're not gonna repeat that again. Same chapter, verse 16. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given the city to you. Jump down with me, same chapter to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sounds of the trumpet, the people shouted with great shout that the wall fell flat. Then the people went up into the city and every man straight before him and they took the city. And what I want you to see in there is they shouted before the wall fell. It doesn't take any faith to shout when the wall's already in the ground. But it does take faith to shout when the walls are still standing. And so something happens when I begin to obey the word of God before things have already taken place. And so get that in your heart, man. Begin to say that and to a degree. You know what they were doing? They were shouting, look what God's gonna do. We're praising God before the exact walls had already fallen. And so when you begin to pray, give God glory and honor. Thank you, Father God, for hearing my prayers. Thank you for blessing me. And so we can learn an incredible love through these guys right here. But it would have been very easy in the time when they said, blow the trumpets and shout for them to say, that's not gonna work. So what happens to the Israelites if they don't walk around the city six times? What happened on the seventh time for seven straight times if they don't blow the trumpet and shout? See, I look at that and I think, okay, how many times in our lives have we missed the blessing because we failed to act on what God said? Go, go with me into the New Testament to the book of Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Ooh, again, faith is dependent on the word of God. You, 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 gotta, you gotta know the will of God before faith can ever work. Now you're gonna see this in here. Luke chapter five, I'll begin in verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching the Lord Jesus he was teaching. It's always interesting. And the next time you really start digging in the Bible, watch how many times the story will begin with Jesus teaching. It's almost every time. Why would Jesus do that? He knew faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the Lord Jesus, he knew, I, I gotta get the word in him. And so Jesus is teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, when, when I look at that statement right there, again, faith cannot work without the will of God being known. 
So in this passage right here, he's teaching them the word of God. And so down there it says the power to heal was there. If that's not the will of God, then why would it say that? So again, right there immediately, it shows us the will of God for right then was to heal. Now, I, I can't get out in front of God if you notice the order it went. He was teaching the word, and then the word was followed with signs, or God confirmed his word with signs following. It, it never gets out of that order. The word will always speak, and then God will confirm the word with signs following. So even right here with the Lord Jesus, he's, he's preaching the word, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And it literally says this, it's equivalent to the spirit of the Lord is there to heal. Right there in Jesus' meeting. Verse 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And so if we're reading into this correctly, this guy who was bedfast, he was on this mat, he had some friends that said, we, we got to get you around Jesus. We, we got to get you where you're laid right there before Jesus. Now, why would they think that or say that? I believe this, that they knew from what they had heard, you just got to get around Jesus. Whatever you do, you just got to get around Jesus. We got to get him there, whatever it takes. Verse 19. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, and when you see this, the, the crowd is so much they can't get near him. They went up on the housetop and they let him down with his bed through the tile into the midst before Jesus. Now rather than quitting and giving up, they climb up on the roof. They go to great extremes. And they lower this man down on his mat. Right there before Jesus. Shows these men, his friends, were very persistent and determined. Now, let's picture this right here. Jesus is in here preaching the word. And there's so many people there, the crowd's. These guys can't get in. So right here on the roof, Jesus is teaching the word. I believe this with all my heart. They heard, they heard footprints, our feet walking on the roof. People are probably looking up and Jesus keeps on teaching and then before long, little pieces of dust and dirt, they come falling down and hitting people in the head and they're all looking. And these guys, when you read other translations, they tore the tiles off of that house and they pull them back. And so Jesus is speaking and now not only is dust coming in, but Jesus is looking up and he can see the sun shining in. And he sees this group of men and all of a sudden they had to have a rope and they start lowering this guy down on his mat. And can you see everybody looking around thinking what, what's going on? What's happening right here? Look at verse 20. And when he saw their faith, 
when he saw their faith. What did he see? He saw determination. He said he saw ones that persevered, ones that said, you know what? We're not going anywhere. And it says when he saw their faith. So literally, here's what I begin to see. He, he didn't see the, the faith of the man on the mat to a degree. That guy had to have a little faith too because his buddy said, no, this is what we're going to do, Jack. Just relax. We're going to lower you down in the roof on that mat. It'll be okay. You're going to do what with me? Just, just be, be chill, Jack. Sit down. We're gonna... But when he saw their faith, he saw those men who brought him their determination that said, whatever it takes to get around Jesus, we're going to do it. Now, I don't know about you, but these are the type of men or women I'd want to do life with right here. It, it, would, have, it would have been very easy for them to pat the paralyzed guy on the back and say, you know, sorry, buddy. We, we tried our hardest. We gave it our best shot. Just, just wasn't meant to be. It's just not God's will. It, they could have very easily left and said that it's just not God's will today. But it's like these men here said, we will not take this for no. We're, we're not leaving until we get him around Jesus. And so Jesus saw their faith. Keep reading. And he said to him, the man on the mat, your sins are forgiven you. That stirred up big stuff. That, you're talking about stirring up a hornet's nest. Verse 21. And the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they begin to reason. The word reason means they became deceived or deluded. In other words, who, who does he think he is saying he can forgive sins? Who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived or he knew fully their thoughts, their inward reason, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? So you know what Jesus was revealing right there? I got power on earth. I can forgive sins or I can heal. And he says, you choose, which is easier? This is incredible. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power. The Greek word for power is a word called exosia, which literally means authority to act on earth to forgive sins. So right there, do you get something? You see the will of God is known right here. God, or the Lord Jesus said, I have power to forgive sins right here on earth. That's huge for me and you. But watch what he says next, or does. And he said to the paralyzed, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, take up your bed, and go to your house. The will of the Lord was known right there. Now think just what he said. Take up your bed and walk. The, the man on the bed could have very easily looked at Jesus and said, no disrespect, Mr. Jesus, but evidently you didn't pay very good attention when you saw how I got in here. They lowered me down in the mat, but Jesus said, 
take up your bed and walk. And, and it says the next word, immediately. Immediately. He didn't try to reason. He didn't, in the natural, this doesn't make sense, but it says immediately. And so this tells me this guy jumped at the opportunity. Something happened on the inside of him said, when Jesus says, rise up, I believe it, I'm going to go. And so he goes on to say, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and he parted to his own house glorifying God. Man, I bet, can you imagine how he's glorifying God? I, I bet every dirt road, wherever they were, they were hearing him. He was so ecstatic. I mean, the guy's paralyzed, and now he's, he's, he's hooting and hollering this. But look, look how contagious it becomes. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. But they glorified God. And so the strange things they had, it didn't compute in their natural mind. And oftentimes when we read the Bible, we think, why would, why would Jesus tell me to, to lay hands on the sick and they recover? That's that's, that doesn't make any sense. But Jesus said to do it. And something happens when human beings get a hold of the word of God and say, the Lord said it. This is what Jesus said. So I go back to all that. Not only did they hear the will of the Lord, but they acted on it. They, they weren't just tears. They acted on it. They said, man, he wants to heal, so whatever it takes, we're going to lower him down. So I, I stir you up tonight to say, Lord, help me be a doer of the word. Help me get a hold of the word of God in this area. Lord, I, I, I want to get to a point in my life where I, bow, I obey immediately. I don't sit around and ponder it and think, wow, just obey God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.